0: This episode is thanks to Surf Paint. Why not take your surfboarder to the next level and give it its own unique design? With these pens, you can do anything. It's Left of Field with Danny Kavanagh. Hello and welcome to the second episode of the second season of the Left of Field podcast. It's a big one today. I'm lucky enough to be chatting to Dean Hewitt, who is half of the Australian curling team. Now, he just got back from the Beijing Winter Olympics, where he represented Australia for the first time in the sport. It was a pretty big deal. Uh, A lot happened over there. They, luckily enough, picked up two wins, which was excellent. And they also had a bit of a COVID scare. Dean shares all about the sport, lets us know how he does the cleaning at home and so much more. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Dean Hewitt, welcome to the Left of Field podcast. How are you going today?
1: I'm going great. Thanks for having me.
0: No worries. Now, you are freshly off the plane from Beijing. A big congratulations for an amazing Games over there, going to the Olympics, competing for Australia, the first time in curling. How was the whole experience?
1: Oh, it was incredible. I mean, it was such a roller coaster over there. You know, one minute you're playing, one minute you're not. Yeah, I mean, once you get on the ice and actually see the Olympic rings everywhere and get to throw those first rocks, it was pretty special. And, you know, dream come true being out there. Know, competing for Australia on that Olympic stage.
0: What did it feel like being able to represent your country, you know, in a sport that no one else has ever been able to do before?
1: Yeah, I mean I represent Australia for quite a few years now in curling, but to actually do it at the Olympics was um, a whole new level and, you know, to be the I suppose pioneers in terms of being at the Olympics, that was that was incredible. I mean there were so many teams before us who who got so close to the Olympics and you know, we're at the Olympics in 92 for a demonstration sport, but to finally be there at the Olympics as the official sport, it's pretty amazing. And I don't think it's fully hit me yet, but to, to see all the coverage that we've received and all the support we've had, it's, it's so great. And the inspiration that other people have taken from it that want to try feeling now, it's, it's pretty special.
0: Yeah, it seems like a pretty big deal for the sport and for the country. What was it like over there in Beijing?
1: Yeah, I mean, for us, you know, because it's our first time, we don't really know what to expect and what is any different to what we actually had. So, you know, it was quite a, t- a tight bubble in terms of what we had. And we, you know, stuck it, stuck to our own village um, most of the time. And, um, but, you know, actually having some Chinese fans out there supporting and cheering along, that was pretty good. And even having the people in our village that were in other sports and other staff they came down to, to watch us that was pretty special as well. And to have a few grinning and gold people in the in the crowd was, was pretty good and something that we don't have very often overseas anyway when we're curling. So it's pretty cool being on that Olympic stage and just the broadcasting was incredible and just seeing stuff on the screen so often now it's it's pretty surreal, I suppose.
0: Yeah, and you obviously were lucky enough to walk away with two wins. What did that mean to you guys? Because your campaign did start off really tricky. You up against some tough competition.
1: Yeah, we looked at the, our first two games of the event and both of them we had the shots for the win. So, you know, we were in and around it and there were so many games there which it came down to last rock or just one point in it. So we were so close we knew that we could kind of break that break that threshold and try and get through and win some games. So... You know, it shows that we're up there with the best and we can win against anyone. So it was nice to finally get out there and win those last two games because it just showed that we can do it and we can beat the best and um, we're up there and, you know, we're just looking forward to the next four years now because we know that we can actually get across those top teams and compete against those top teams at any level.
0: Now, you did have a bit of a COVID scare over there. Can you talk us through what that was like and what happened?
1: Yeah. So essentially had COVID basically a month before the games and, you know, got a whole bunch of negative tests before we went and we're all confident with that. But I think just with the sensitivity of, um, of their testing, they just picked up some more uh, viral fragments, which were just, you know, shedding virus that were dead. And yeah, I just came back with some positive tests, but you know, we're confident that obviously she was not infectious and all our medic- medical team were confident of that. And, they were really confident based on the values that there wasn't any new virus so you know we were just grateful that we're able to get back and play all those games because you know that's the toughest thing is going to the games and not being able to compete and you know having something out of your control that that basically stops you from playing so we're just so grateful that the medical team and and all those people that around us supported us and, and understood our situation and realized that, yeah, you know, Tali is non-infectious and we actually could play. So, you know, it did take a bit of a toll um, just mentally having a lot of late nights and early mornings having to get tested for Tali and, you know, she had to isolate quite a bit. But, you know, for us, once we got on the ice, that's when we change everything and we say, look, we're here to play and take it, take as much as we can from this opportunity as, as possible.
0: Definitely, and that's when you got your two wins after that whole debacle. So we're all pretty happy that you were able to get back out on the ice. (laughs) Now, you've definitely put a bit of a spotlight on the sport, and a lot of people wouldn't even know really what curling is. For those who are still maybe a little bit confused, could you give us a little rundown in what is curling?
1: Yeah, so curling is a sport played on ice where you push, I suppose, these um, granite rocks down to the other end of the ice or what we call a sheet and it's about 45 meters long and you're basically aiming for a target that's in the ice at the other end they're kind of um, 12 foot circles you're trying to get as many of your rocks in those circles as close to the center of those circles as you can before the opposition's best counting stone so it also incorporates the sweeping which is the thing that which most people i guess know curling for because it's so odd i suppose but Sweeping actually makes the rock go further and it can adjust the direction a little bit. So the rock, as it travels down, we put a bit of a rotation on it and the sweeping actually helps it to either guide it a little bit straighter than what it's tracking or it can actually accentuate the curl that it's got naturally. So um, sweeping is a big role in the game as well and you know involves a lot of strategy and a lot of people say it's almost like chess and ice because there's so many different strategies. You're thinking four to five shots ahead with what you're playing there. So, yeah, it's a a game of so many different aspects of skill, of precision, of power and endurance, and the mental game as well.
0: And it's definitely a sport that's a lot louder than we probably would think. Uh, There's a lot of yelling happening out there on the ice. Talk me through that kind of part of the strategy.
1: Yeah, so good curling we have four, at least four games on ice at the same time. So there's a lot of people kind of trying to communicate at the same time in close proximity. So, And when you add a crowd to that, it can get pretty loud out there. We need to communicate between the two of us in our situation or four of us in men's to women's curling, where the person at the other end kind of needs to communicate if you should be sweeping to keep the rock straighter, if you have to sweep it to make it curl, and then the, the person who's actually sweeping is communicating back and telling you where they think it's going to go relative to the distance of the rink. So there's a lot of communication back and forth and you kind of have to yell to actually get that communication across because you are, you know, fairly separated. But also with those other people yelling at the same time, you want to make sure that the other person on the ice can hear you well. So that's, everyone is very loud when they play. And that's kind of fun, I suppose, because you're allowed to yell at your teammate and they don't get cranky about it. But yeah, it's, just, it's such a, an interesting game in the dynamics between all the teams, for sure.
0: Obviously, a big component of it is walking on ice. How did you perfect that kind of skill?
1: Yeah, I suppose the walking isn't too bad. You'll find that the ice, the way they prep it, isn't as slippery as what you think. <laughs> because I can tell you one thing, I'm a lot better at walking on ice than I am skating. I am just atrocious at skating. <laughs> it's a lot more slippery than curling. With curling, you've got a slider on as well. So you've got one shoe which has a gripper. And then one shoe, which is a slider it's made of Teflon that's stuff on your on your frying pans, which makes it non-stick. So it's super, super slippery. And yeah, you use that one foot as a gripper to push off and then your slider to slide along with. So it's more so the slider, which I suppose is a slippery component. And you do have to kind of get your balance. And it does take a few years to actually get that because, yeah, early on in your career, you can fall over quite a bit. And even still, you look at the Olympics you now, still quite a few falls, mainly from tripping on other rocks and things like that and obstacles. But yeah, it does take a while to get your balance. But I mean, it's it's not that dangerous, I suppose, if you do fall so long. as You just drop your knees and kind of go with it. It's pretty okay.
0: And how do you pick your brushes then for the sweeping? Is that, you know, plays a big role?
1: Yeah, so with the broom, they're all so advanced in terms of technology now. So they're all basically carbon fibre. My broom itself, weighs about 290 grams so it's just a little bit more than a block of butter in terms of weight so it's incredible how how light they are but everyone these days has a standardized brush head material it's this yellow kind of synthetic material which everyone has to use because otherwise you sometimes could get an unfair advantage and yeah you, you just use your brooms you use basically a new brush head every day because you want it as abrasive as possible so that you can both warm up the ice but also make these tiny little scratches in the ice which help to direct the rock a little bit more as well.
0: Have you ever wondered what paint works best on a surfboard? Have you ever wanted to take maybe your surfboard to the next level? Well, now you can thanks to Surf Paints. This local Australian business has dedicated pens that you can use to basically do anything on your board. Draw over your favourite picture, write a letter. It's guaranteed to take your board to the next level. These acrylic and water-based pens work great on all boards. So why not get creative and give your surfing experience a unique style? Head to surfpaints.com.au and order your pack today. And while you're there, use the code LEFTOFFIELD and receive a 15% off your first order. I want to know, when you're at home, do you enjoy the sweeping or do you avoid cleaning the house?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a funny one because I, I try to avoid sweeping outside because it just feels like, you know, I sweep up the leaves because it feels like, you know, you do it so much that you just don't want to keep doing it as a chore as well. But funnily enough, in Australia, we don't have any dedicated curling rinks, so we only get on ice about once a week if we're lucky on, you know, skating ice. So, in terms of building up our sweeping fitness, we actually have to sweep at home to you know keep up that fitness. Otherwise, we wouldn't have enough to last There's two games a day for five to seven days in a row. So, we literally do sweep the tiles at home and go for intervals in the bathroom floor or the kitchen floor to try and build up that fitness.
0: That must make your housemates very happy. And if you ever see anyone else uh, with the broom, do you judge their technique? <laughs>
1: Sadly, yes, we do we do judge people <laughs> on their technique and look at how they could be more efficient. But no, I, if, if they're cleaning the house, I'll never criticise them for sure.
0: <laughs> you grew up by the beach, so how did you get in into curling? Why did you pick this sport?
1: Yeah, so my mum is originally Canadian, so. He met my dad who's Australian and taught him how to curl. So they've curled for many, many years and many years on the Australian team too. So basically grew up with curling my whole life and have loved it. So I've curled basically my whole life. I don't even know when I started, to be honest, because I've been around it that much. And yeah, it's just kind of been a family thing, I suppose.
0: It's a really obscure sport. And so what is the training involved in it? How do you get, you know, from maybe curling on the weekend to uh, going to the Olympics?
1: Yeah, it varies so much because you know when I'm in Australia for you know a few months of the year, I can't get on the ice as you said. And for me, I have to spend a lot of time in the gym building up both leg and upper body strength, as well as core, because the sweeping involved requires a lot of core strength to keep the body still and strong, and try to produce as much force down the ice as possible. So a lot of time in the gym, and that one time on ice that we get per week. But then on top of that, you know, once we with the sweeping at, at home, you know, sweeping on the tiles, doing that a few times a week as well to try and combat um, the load that we're going to be exposed to when we do get overseas. But once we do get overseas, then it, you know, get in, gets into full swing on ice and we'll spend two to three hours a day on ice and, you know, five to six days a week either competing or training. So the load is pretty high because once you get to events like this at the Olympics, you need to – be able to cope with two games a day you know i'm looking at my calorie meter and i'm you know burning through 5,000 calories a day so i don't know how i eat enough food to actually get through that all but you know the the load in terms of sweeping is is extremely high it's basically like 20 second sprints with your arm over and over and over again
0: wow that does sound pretty intense and so obviously you don't have a lot of ice here you mentioned what are the australian facilities like then How do you, you know, kind of, do you have enough facilities around?
1: Yeah, so essentially the ice that we have all across Australia, we've got a rink in Perth, Melbourne and Brisbane and hopefully we get one back up in Sydney. And all those um, venues are basically just skating ice or hockey ice. So for us, you know, we only get one time a week usually on ice and for that kind of ice, anywhere in the world, if you're on skating ice for that matter, um, it is very, I suppose, bumpy and it's not flat enough for us because the skating does chop it up so much. So we have to you know, prepare the ice the best we can, but at the end of the day, it's, it's not going to be flat enough for what we need. So preparing on the ice in Australia, we, we only basically do it for fitness more than anything, but once we actually get down to skill and making shots, that's what we try and do when we get overseas. So it does require a lot of time overseas to get to that next level and competing against those top teams because that's the other thing is we need the really high competition and we have not many curlers at the moment in the show. Hopefully that increases now and we've got more curlers to compete against um, on good ice. That would kind of elevate the play across the country but we do need to get overseas to expose ourselves to those teams which will be at the Olympics as well.
0: Yeah, hopefully now a lot more people have seen the sport and want to get involved. A few kids out there. If you just sell it to some people, what are some of the best things about curling? Is there a good, you know, social scene on the outside? Why should people maybe decide to head down to their local rink?
1: The social scene is actually amazing in curling. So curling, we always refer to it as like a family. I mean, you can go across the world, and if you meet another curler over there, they'll almost take you out to dinner. They'll meet, you know, take you back to their house and have a chat with you and. Like it's just, it's incredible the offerings you get from other curlers around the world. You know, there's a tradition in curling back, you know, hundreds of years where the winners would buy the losers a drink up in the bar afterwards. You know, once you get to the Olympics, that doesn't happen as much, but recreationally and even in a lot of events across the world, they still do that. You go up to the bar afterwards and have a drink with them. So the social side of things is a big factor in curling, but you know, there's so many different components to curling as well you know you've got the competitiveness side of things and the precision and skill involved with it but also the fitness you know the sweeping side is is incredible and then you add on the strategy and the mental side of the game there's so many just different aspects of the game which you know you really have to watch and learn about until you fully appreciate how much there is to the game
0: yeah, it's definitely a lot more than just sweeping up some dirt at home. That's for sure. And you definitely showed how tough it can be on the big stage. What's the next goal for you guys now that you've made the Olympics? What is your, you know, what are you targeting next? Is it to travel again, go to those some of those bigger competitions internationally?
1: Yeah, in a couple of months, we head off to Switzerland for the World Championships. So our main goal there is just maintain our position in the top 16 to keep our, um, keep our ranking in the A group for the following year. Um, But yeah, from now we're trying to, you know, increase that amount of time overseas, training overseas with our coach, competing overseas against those top teams. Because our ultimate goal is to get to Milan-Cortino for the 2026 Games. And, you know, we're we're trying to get on the podium now. You know, the last goal is to get to the Olympics, now is to get to the podium. So we're going to be pushing as hard as we can to make that next step.
0: Yeah, what did you learn while you were over on the Olympics playing against the best? Did you guys learn a lot about your game or some did you you know what can you take into the future?
1: Yeah, we know that we're right up there with the top teams and it kind of gave us the confidence that, you know, we're not just some fluky country that got in there, no curling ice where we're a team which can produce amazing results. So we, we have the confidence and um, passion to try and go to that next level and we just know that we have to just become a little bit more consistent um, across all our games to make those extra couple shots a game to literally turn the tables completely.
0: Very exciting and I can't wait to see you guys back on the big stage. Now, away from curling, what interests you? What do you do with your time? Are you, Or is this your full focus at the moment?
1: Uh, At the moment, um, I'm actually an exercise physiologist. That's what I kind of do for work and how I earn money. Um, There's not a huge amount of money in selling yet, so there's a bit more in the next few years. But, yeah, exercise physiologist, that's what I do when I'm home. And, yeah, but also like to do things like cooking and travel and like anything basically sport-related
0: Yeah, great. No, it's always good to have passions. And like you said, it's not, you know, the most lucrative sport at the moment, but hopefully now maybe you get some sponsors on board and who knows, curling can become uh, a big thing in Australia.
1: Yeah, I really hope so. You know, it's so great for the sport. And I think if more people go out there and try it, more people enjoy it. Um, The coverage that we have had is just incredible. So. Hopefully, we can get more curlers out at all the ice rinks, but hopefully, we can actually get a dedicated rink to, you know, go to that next level as a country.
0: Definitely. Now, what are some words of, you know, wisdom or inspiration that you like to live by that help you in difficult times? I like to ask all my guests this. What could you leave all our, our listeners with?
1: Oh, probably a couple of things. Like, you know, especially with curling, the, the barriers that come up from being an athlete in Australia for curling it, it, quite extensive so my kind of thing from when I was young was the phrase make it happen you know if you really dedicate yourself to something you will find opportunities rather than excuses if you find excuses in so many things you'll find that those things aren't a real passion for you so if you're passionate about something enough you know have that drive have that um have that will to go further with it and find those opportunities where you can to you know maximize what you have and really try and go out there and, and chase your dreams, really, because one of the things where you miss 100% of shots, you don't take. So take the opportunities that you get and, you know, grasp them and really go for it.
0: Definitely. No, that's something we can all live by. Well, thank you so much for giving up your time, chat to us today and give us a bit more of an insight into the world of curling. Uh, we definitely hope to see you on our screens again, a lot more now into the future. But uh, thanks for chatting to me today, Dean.
1: Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway, well, thank you so much. I'll send you um, send you uh, like a link when it's all out and everything. But yeah, I really appreciate it.
1: Perfect. Thanks so much. No worries. Have a great day. See you, Danny. Bye.